Hey everyone, this is the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast, an iHeartRadio and Dan Patrick podcast network production. I'm Alan Nevins. And I'm Joey Santos. And this week, we have two very special guests on the show. Douglas Sanchez and Hector Rivera. This is the director and the star of the upcoming film, La Ultima Gira. For those of you who don't know, Joey is the grandson of the famous singer Daniel Santos. And this film, which translates into The Last Tour, that's what it means, is about a few weeks at the end of the career of Joey's grandfather. Ish. <laughs> yes, well. Uh, it's loosely based on the life and career of my grandfather. So uh, there was a lot of creative uh, license there. And uh, yeah. It's sort of like The Week with Marilyn. It's really focused on sort of this one little tour that he did. And they try to go back and, and, and fill yeah, you in. Sort of at a certain but, time of his career. But it, but it's based it's, around, the storyline is based around this small career that, I mean, small tour that he took. Yeah. The small career yeah. that he took. Yeah, well, that wasn't the case. <laughs> uh, anyway. No, in fact, he had a major career and, and still does. He still sells zillions of albums and kind of considered the Frank Sinatra of South America and Latin America, America, yeah. Uh, Anyway, I'm really excited uh, for this opportunity to speak with the two of them. Douglas directed the film and Hector plays my grandfather. And, of course, we have a million, million questions for him because you watched it last night at home, I think, and I watched it last night at home. And uh, so we're, we're looking forward to it. So let's grab a drink and dive in. Well, we're back in the studio together. I know. Face to face without all sorts of internet problems and things like that. We won't have dropout. We won't have birds singing in the background. We won't have iguanas running across our feet. We're here. I know. That's depressing. I miss those little iguanas and the big ones, too. Um, yeah, no, I, it, the technical difficulty was so frustrating, though. As beautiful as, our, as it was to record there, I mean, like, to just... Enjoy that, but uh, yeah, it, it was challenging. At best. Yeah, but can I tell you, the moment I landed in LAX, I was like, "Take me back!" I was. It didn't take five minutes for me to get frustrated. Everything started going wrong. Too many people. Global entry wasn't working. The line for the customs was thirty minutes. Then I got, you know, after waiting thirty minutes, you get up there, and I showed him my passport. He glanced at. It. He said, "Do you have any food with you?" I said, "No," and he said, "Okay." I, thought I waited thirty minutes just to pass right on through. Oh, I can't. I can't with that. But, you know, traveling used to be so much fun and so glamorous and so, but I mean, I don't, I don't recognize any Not of anymore. Ask Monique. Did you see the video? Okay. Monique? <laughs> you in danger, girl. <laughs> I know. Because she was, she had an opinion and I can't fault her for that. You know, we've lost a lot of our um, ability to accessorize. Right. That's what separates us from the animals. Opinions. Yeah, well, that too. But I mean, but yeah, I mean, uh, she was, well, uh, why don't you fill our listeners in on what we're talking about? I just stumbled across it and it was on one of my clients' websites. I won't mention who, I don't want to get anybody in trouble at this point because there's such uh, a- Except for us. There's such an outcry. Eh, you know what? If they're so, should we be so lucky if people are so focused on us at the moment? <laughs> this is true. So Monique did a lovely video, by the way. It was, she sent out a lot of love. She, you know, made it clear she wasn't trying to offend anybody and that this had to do with- shame anybody. Right, shame anybody. Even though they should be ashamed. And she basically said, you know, she had been traveling recently that day and she was shocked by going through the airport. And she said, basically she was talking to her African-American sisters- she was really sort of focused on them. Although I think we, let's color aside, I think it's a broader problem. It has nothing oh. to do with color and it has nothing to do with, with at all. that at all. No, it's so, just the, it's the, we've lowered the standard and the bar and everybody is lazy. Right. Everybody across the board. It's not a, it's not a black thing. It's, it's a, it's a everything. It's an everything. It's a lazy thing. And she basically said, why are you coming to the airport in a robe with and slippers, with your underwear under it and slippers and with towels wrapped around your heads? And where is your pride? But false eyelashes. Yes. Lots of false so eyelashes. So there is some glamour. <laughs> I didn't know Walmart had an airline. It's 
Unbelievable. Because the way that people are dressing, it looks like, you know how they post those pictures of this what happened at Walmart? Right. It's the same thing. So anyway, I thought, oh, good. So Monica said something and kind of pointed out to people, let's get our pride back. Let's, you know, unify. And I thought it was a nice message. Absolutely. And, ooh, she is getting big Yeah, time they want her dead. Backlash. I mean, can you imagine that we can't even have an opinion, even when you're raising up and you're saying to people, hey, why don't you take a little pride? Why don't you take a little time? And they want you dead because you said something like that? We are screwed up in this world. You know, I remember being on a plane with Diane Carroll. And oh, she, by the way, who took three hours to get ready to go brush her teeth. You know what? Good for her. She stepped off that plane in a sable coat, not some terry cloth bathrobe, you know, with a snood on her head. I mean, really, come on, guys. Let's let's pull it back. Elizabeth Taylor never, she flew well, commercial that. too. You know, normal people, why do you want to look like that? What, what are you trying to do? It's just, you're not you're trying. You're not in your bathroom. You're not trying. But I don't even know why they allow it. Why would an airline allow you to get on a plane looking like that? It's shocking what some people get on. And I'm like, ooh, don't let me look. I can't look to the right. They're passing you. Yeah, but And it's, you're it's, like, I can't look at that. If people would get back to... Civilization? Civilization, yeah. Well, on the end of this, I just want to say as far as... Uh, Monique, you're welcome to uh, come on our show and there say you what you got to say. But you better be looking cute. You better dress. <laughs> no, and she did it in such a lovely way. No, she did. It was classy and yep. tasteful and And with intention. Yeah. Absolutely. So Monique, we're with you. Okay. Something else we gotta talk about today. Because it's 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 just too hard to ignore. And everybody's talking about it. It it is the water cooler discussion uh, between Bill Cosby and Britney's conservatorship. We can't one is pass out it by. and one is still in. One is out and one is in. <laughs> yep. I just spoke to Janice Dickinson this morning. You better get uh, the background, what she, you know, her and Well, Janice was one of the accusers of Bill Cosby and that he had raped her. And this was back in the 80s. Uh, it's common knowledge. It's, you know, everybody knows about it. It was a big court trial and, and all of that stuff. I had spoken to her a couple of days ago, and she had invited me to a fundraiser that she's doing next month, and, and I called her back to say that I would go, and I didn't hear from her, and then I saw the news, and I thought, ah, oh, she's probably, it's probably affecting her. So I did get a hold of her this morning, and she was, yeah, much better, but I told her, I said, look, there's a lot of things we'll never get over, but in that regard, you have to get on with it. So she took that, and uh, she she's just wrapping her head around it because it's it bring, it's like a PTSD. It brings back the wound. Right. And how long did he spend in prison? Three years. Okay. Three years. Well, and he and he's not. Listen, what they said is that it's not. He didn't get out because all of a sudden he's innocent. Right. He had a plea deal from the beginning, and he had he was uh, promised to um, testify in the civil. What do they call that? Civil, civil trial, trial, yeah. Which he did, and for that he was given a, a, a certain sentence, and so that they had to honor that. The courts right. had to honor that. That's why he was released, not because all of the a way, sudden they overturned age, what happened. And at that age, with someone of those means, I mean, he's almost ninety. Three years in prison is a long time. I mean, a day in prison for me would be a long time. <laughs> three years would be a lifetime. It's not like he spent a month or two. Three years is a long time, and I get it if you were at the receiving end of that. No pun intended. Yes. You may uh, not may think been, it's enough. He may have been slipping the pudding pop. But he didn't get off scot-free. No, um, it looks it. And, and there was a lot of money traded, too, I think. Mm, I don't in, know. In, in the civil suit with a lot of yeah. those people. Yeah. You know, so that, he yeah. paid financially big time. Yeah. And if one is innocent or not, you know, however you want to... Put it. Well, I, I I heard that he was claiming innocence. Is that true? Yeah, claimed innocence. He said now, now find, that he's you know, been out, he was innocent. But I mean, but aren't prison, most prisons filled with people that didn't do it? They're all filled, completely filled with people who didn't do it. So somebody did it. <laughs> I don't think any believes that just because they've let him out that he's now suddenly innocent. But I can see how that might help him in his own mind. Listen, he's not living a life of grand glamour and pleasure right now, no matter how famous and rich he might be, I don't think it's it, it makes up for what he's living through. So uh, there's that. Then the Britney thing is interesting because now her father wants an investigation into her claims. <sighs> After he said, oh, whatever she wants, whatever she wants is good with me. That's what he said. 
Whatever she wants. Oh, I never knew she didn't want to be under conservatorship. Whatever she wants and whatever's going to make her happy, that would be fine with me. But what me. was the last statement that she wants to give birth to a little girl? She wants to be pregnant again and be a mom again? Yeah, but now, of course, he's now looking and he wants to investigate if she really said these things. So what happened to whatever she wants? She yeah. was in court when she said it. Right. How much more? How much more investigation do you need to know whether she said this or not? Right. The whole thing is a mess. And, uh, you know, and by the way, she may need some form of conservatorship. And I think she even agreed to have a conservator, just not her father. She's agreed to have someone oversee some of her financials that she's not disagreeing with. So let her go do her thing. And, you know, let her go make money. Let her go have her career. Let her. I don't think making money thing. was p- part of the issue. I think making money is, is why they don't want her to run wild, run free. They don't you want know? her to spend the money. Exactly. That's what I mean. But she's also said, I'm not working while I'm under the conservatorship. And she hasn't. She left that. You know, she did that big announcement in Vegas to continue that that residency. And then she didn't show up, basically. Right. She said, not working, not doing it. Yeah, that's a sad story, too. So, but that's part of her, you know, protest. Why should I work when the money's all being basically controlled by somebody else? Like, mm-hmm. what, what is she working for if she can't control it? Yeah, I don't know. What good is it to have $40 million if you don't get to spend it? <laughs> somebody else gets to control it. Well, you can go pet it, count it, <laughs> lay next to it, <laughs> take pictures in front of it. You can't really. <laughs> That's our gripe today. Yes. I had to think of So the don't right don't wish us uh, ill because we're just, you know, reporting uh, what we've mm-hmm. heard. We didn't come out of our mouths. Just mouth our opinion. First. It's not just law. Our opinions. We're still opinion. entitled to that. Moving on. Moving on. Cocktail of the week. Cocktail of the week is a very simple cocktail. And if you can't make this, I feel very sorry for you. <laughs> oh, no. It is a bottle of Jack Daniels on a table, served with a shot glass. And the whole meaning behind that Wait, will be no revealed. Ice? No, oh. there's no ice. It will be revealed when you listen to the episode. I will explain okay. to you exactly. Well, this exactly. sounds very complicated. No, it's so Do simple. I have to open the bottle? And yes, you do. Is it a pop-off? Is it a twist-off? It's a handle. Is it a cork? <laughs> so get a handle on it. Yeah. It sounds very complicated, this cocktail. Yep. I think maybe we'll, we will have to do a step-by-step. you got to step. listen carefully when I tell you why. All right. And what it means. Looking forward to but that the symbol, explanation. The symbolism of it. I named it after one of my grandfather's uh, songs, which was one of my favorite songs, entitled Noche de Ronda. That's our theme, Noche de Ronda. Noche de Ronda. Okay. Noche de Ronda. Mm-hmm. Do I do that with a little... Noche de Ronda. Yeah, with a little, okay. a little samba. All right, so let's get into this Noche de Ronda. When we come back, <laughs> we have Hector Rivera and Douglas Sanchez. We're back. And this week we are so excited to have actor Hector Rivera in studio with us, right here, like a real person. And filmmaker Douglas Sanchez joining all the way from Puerto Rico. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. So glad to be here. Thank you for being here. We're very excited you are here. I'm really fresh on on the movie. I watched it late last night, so it's it's in the top. It's in my frontal lobe when I got up this morning. It was it was right along with my coffee. Whether you know this or not, uh, for our guests, we always uh, create a cocktail. Uh, and it's usually based on the subject or or the guests themselves. So I figured since this was about my grandfather, and it is quite early in the morning <laughs> here for us, today I decided to do a um, a bottle of Jack Daniels and a glass of ice. Beca- I mean, and a, I mean, and a glass, no ice. That's bourbon. Because uh, what he would, huh? That's bourbon. The bourbon. Yeah, bourbon. Okay. Because he would start his show with a table. Before he would come on stage, there'd be a table, a chair, and a bottle of his favorite was bourbon, was Jack Daniels, and a spotlight on the table and on the cocktail. And by the end of the show, the bottle was empty. So that's the drink for today. So <laughs> Our bottle will still be full by the end of the show. <laughs> well, your bottle might be. Sounds good. I am his grandson, you know. I know how to drink. So as we've talked about in the past, we've talked a little bit about Joey's grandfather and who he is. And Douglas has written and directed a film that is loosely based upon 
Daniel Santos, who is Joey's grandfather. Is that correct? It's not, it's not his story. It's loosely based on his story. Yeah, like, like a slice of life, you know, man, a few, a few days or a few weeks in his life with a few Right, flashbacks. it's a few weeks out of his life. Yeah. Correct. And so this movie is coming out in September, September in Puerto, in Puerto Rico. Rico. And you're looking for dist wider distribution after that, uh, correct? Definitely, yeah. Well, we think it has a... Uh, it came out good. Uh, Joey liked it. He enjoyed it. And, you know, he's fairly, he should be fairly critical about the whole thing. And uh, so I think it, we think it has a wide audience in the United States with all the Hispanics. You know, the so-called diaspora, you know, is a phenomenon. And uh, I'm sure a lot of these people in the U.S., you know, would, would like it. I, I don't know about the Anglos, the Anglos with the, that, 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 <laughs> that don't know much about salsa, you know, tropical music. If they're going to understand the, or enjoy the music, maybe maybe they will. But any well, I didn't know anything about him. And here's my, my friend, it's his grandfather. I really knew nothing about him, uh -huh. but I'm as white as could be. And uh, but I did enjoy the music. Oh, yeah. And what's even better is, you know, Hector is here and he stars as Daniel. So yes. he's playing Joey's grandfather. Uh -huh. And of course, he has a huge musical theater background. He's been in a lot of things that you've seen in Broadway and London. And so it's it's uh, it was interesting to watch him sing these songs. Well, I was most impressed with your performance. I even I even believe that I asked um, uh, I asked you if uh, if Hector was actually singing or was he lip singing? But you actually sang yeah. as my grandfather. And let me tell you something, knowing my grandfather's music, knowing him personally, knowing his style and his energy and his uh, inflection, you had it down. Yeah. I mean, he had a very distinct sound. Yeah, he got it. But I mean, even with the and all uh -huh, that, you, yeah. had it, you had it. So thank you very much. It was No, thank you. I think that it was so. the part of the process that I most enjoyed, one of the, because I was inside the studio mm -hmm. taking each word, each uh, breathe, silence, each moment in his voice, in, in his music. So yeah. I think the lip sync came really well because I was doing the song like uh, so uh, precisely. Yeah. And, and it was wonderful. That process, I, I love it. It's like two or three weeks doing that with each song that we have. We have like eight songs for the, uh, 12 songs I, th I think we have for the album, but eight songs, uh, 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 about uh, from Daniel Santos and and it was incredible. Yeah, but you even had you had his look. I mean, you had everything that I mean w when you first came out and stayed and I just went wow. <laughs> I sat back. It even made me go back into my own little archive of photographs and and um, old clips of his to, that I started to revisit because you brought back a lot of memories. You know, I mean, he was my grandmother's. Uh, first husband or or my grandmother was his first wife my grandmother had five husbands since him but uh <laughs> he was uh, she was his first wife and um and he had 12 wives right yeah something that's so they as both far had that we, in common they like to yeah, marry it may a be lot. more yeah it may be more but uh yeah, well, my grandmother had a saying. She said, you just can't find good help these days when everybody would say, have you married so many times? <laughs> so I remember him, um, obviously, you know, uh, after they were divorced and stuff, but they maintained a very good, close relationship. I think she never got over him, to be honest with you, because she always would talk about it. My father says, oh, God, already, get over it. You know, but she would always remember him. And they stayed friends. And my dad and uh, Danielle, he adopted my father. And they uh, stayed very close throughout Danny's life. He would visit us here in L.A. We'd visit him in, in Miami or Puerto Rico or whenever he was on tour. You know, so we had a, a and I remember him fondly, you know, so, as a kid into an adult. So, so and at his when he died, I carried the coffin and went to Puerto Rico and did all that. Wow, man! I think I'm super excited to be here with you guys because you know the fact that I part of the blood. Of the person that I, I I put on 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 the on TV on the movie is, is you know it's, it's just <laughs> <laughs> in, well, in my side I'm, I'm really you know, the compliment. Gracias, abuelo. 
<laughs> it is surreal life of, of this moment. I love it. So thank you. Well, thank you, too. Douglas, w- w- why did you decide to do this movie? Were you a fan? I mean, obviously, yeah. he's, he was a big name in Puerto Rico, and you're there, but were you a fan? Was there something about him that you wanted to do? Well, you know, I have, a, I have an uncle uh, yeah, passed away, but uh, I think he coincided with the Daniel in Panama. My, my, my uncle was stationed in the Panama Canal base in, during the Second World War. And I think he saw Daniel there and maybe met him, but he was, he was a fan. So he, at one time I was in high school, he showed me a record, you know, oh, this guy, you know, he's amazing. So uh, many years later, I was looking for something to develop and I found this book and uh, about Daniel Santos, uh, uh, which is, you know, the, we own the rights, I, I got the rights to the book. It's about uh, this Puerto Rican journalist that uh, went to interview him in Ocala. Uh, Daniel was kind of mature and uh, he had a small like bodega type, uh, a little shop, uh, Colmadito in, in Ocala. He was kind of semi-retired. I mean, he always worked, but uh, he was doing that thing, you know, uh, managing that bodega. This guy, Hosean, really idolized uh, and still idolizes Daniel, and he became like a biographer, manager, press secretary. So he's called Segre for for secretary, for press secretary. So uh, then he wrote the book about, uh, with him, which has a pretty, very fairly interesting cover where Daniel, white hair, is sitting in, in his dressing room and he's, in, he's between two mirrors and he's reflected to infinity. So, uh, you know, that book just caught my eye and I read it and I got in touch with the guy and uh, I started writing it very, you know, it took me a while and it took me some, yeah, this was in 1993 that I found the book and uh, but uh, I knew that he was a very colorful character, which he, I, it's discussed in the film, you know, like the writer, he wants to talk about all of his sensationalist things, you know, about you know, his womanizing, his bro, you know, he was a, a bro, you know, he used to get into bar fights. Uh, he did all kinds of uh, crazy things. Well, there's a great scene in the movie where the writer is sitting with him and he finds that there's this other book that had already been yeah. written about him. And he starts tearing it apart. But it's funny because when they pull it out, it's not really a book. It's sort of like a pamphlet almost. It's not a very big book. And I thought, why is he worried this book couldn't have been more than 100 pages or 60 pages or something? What? But I love that he starts tearing pages out of it and say, well, we don't need to cover that. We don't <laughs> need to cover that. And he rips out all these pages and then hands him what's left and say, here, you can use this part. Well, you know, that's my invention, but the, the, there was actually a book, and, and, and the, uh, the author, Hosean, gave it to me. I have it. It's a short book. Oh, but, wow. But it, it, it did exist before. It was the first book written about Daniel. It's called... El Inquieto Anacobero, Confessions of Daniel Santos. The interesting thing is, if, if, if you're noticing that the book was only, however, few pages, and it's called Confessions of Daniel Santos, <laughs> that's about right, because he never confessed to anything. Ah. <laughs> he lied his way through every brothel he ever stepped into. Of course. There's a funny story about a brothel that he was in. My grandmother was called Rosa la Peligrosa, is how they referred to her in the newspapers. She was very wealthy, and she, she started his career, if you, if you didn't know that. She owned nightclubs in Havana, New York, and Miami called the Southland. And my grandfather performed in a lot of these places, and she started her, her own record label for him called Rosas Viscos. And uh, she was 100% Italian, and she was 100% Italian, if I need to say any more. But he was a tremendous playboy, and she would find out, and she'd have little... Um, spotters in different hotels and so when he'd be on concert or whatever they'd call her and they say okay he just came into the hotel with this woman my grandmother would get on a plane and fly there and then she'd show up at the hotel but then the same spotter that would tell my grandma grandmother what he was doing would call him and say she's in the lobby get out <laughs> so <laughs> there was a story she would always tell and I forget what country it was in it may have been Colombia or or something like that someplace like that and um, he was in a hotel and she showed up, and she was heading up. He said to her, she's here. She's heading up in the elevator. Get out. 
So he had nowhere to go. He jumped out the window, but he landed in a cesspool no. underneath. And so she, when she came, she looked out and she said, okay, my work here is done, piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, and that was way before me, but how she never got over it because she would always tell these stories at every dinner party or whatever. What a son of a bitch he was. He cheated on me. He did this. He did that. And it was one Christmas we were in New York, uh, my brother and I with my mother and my grandmother. We were shopping in Bloomingdale's. And my grandmother was rather bigger than life. You know, she always had these big Cadillacs and she wore mink coats and she was very like that, you know. And we're going and we're shopping Christmas time. We're going up and I was probably about 10. My brother was about eight. And we're going up the escalator. And as we're going up the escalator, there's the other escalator is coming down. And there was this blonde woman in a leopard coat. And she was a famous movie star, I think, from Cuba. Her name was Perlita del Rio or, or something like that. Blonde and, you know, very beautiful. And I was with my mother and my grandmother. My grandmother saw her and they locked eyes as she was coming down and we were going up. And then the next thing I remember was this mink coat flying around. And my grandmother took her purse and knocked her in the back of the head and oh. so we kept so the woman went flying down the staircase as uh, the escalator and we went up the escalator we got off at the floor and my mother just turned around and she says pay no attention to your grandmother just pay no attention to anything she does <laughs> we never forgot that Whoa. yeah so well, she's ne and she that. never got over his cheating never yeah it's crazy what was your biggest challenge in portraying him I think the biggest challenge is the music. Obviously, you, we have like a, one of the best voices uh, in Latin America in the 50s, you know, the bolero. He, he marked like a tr trademark with his voice, so uh, different, mm -hmm. so uh, uh, unique. And then I know that a lot of people from Colombia, from Latin America are fans of this guy, of this and person Cuba that also. is a legend that have myth, that have... In Cuba, that have a lot of stories that people don't know. And then I was like, uh, I want to respect, not to imitate his voice, because I can't. That is, um, you know, his voice is unique. But to try to uh, give the essence. No, and you so did. That, that process, it was really complex for me. Beautiful, because I was discovering Daniel from other perspective. But it was uh, definitely one of the hardest part. And the other part is just to know how I can perform somebody who is not here with us right now but you had a lot of stories you know yeah. if you go to colombia you have stories you go to cuba and it's like a myth you know this guy is like a somebody who, who who is a legend so i want to be balanced to give uh respect on his life but still making sure that that people can see their extremes the the, mm -hmm. the, the alcohol the alcohol the sex the music the genius that he was he was a composer he was a musical director he was a singer he was a people that had a lot a guy that had a lot of layers yeah. in his life so that was the the complex part for me yeah he was very iconic and you know the interesting thing was because he was so distinct with his sound and what you did which was great because a lot of people have tried to imitate him and it was always an imitation people would always say oh you're just trying to sound like daniel santos uh -huh. you brought the true mimic right mm -hmm. and what you didn't what you did was you really brought his essence not only in the sound of his music and in, in the in the the way you phrased it but in in the attitude you had in your delivery so it made it so real and I tell you, as his grandson, knowing him in all the phases, you know, from the stories of my grandmother, stories of my father, in, in film and in clippings and in story, you know, and seeing him in concert, I mean, you, you brought him to life. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, well, it, it was very touching so nice for me. Hear. And you kind of, it was, and I, I left feeling very melancholy about it, and, uh, but also very proud. So, thank you. They know. Thank, you, thank you, you both, for Douglas, too. Yeah. Thank you for your, for your vision of it, too, you know. So. But another thing, you know, I think uh, Hector's, you know, the, the musical thing is just incredible, amazing. But also his acting. I mean, I think I've seen this material yeah. oh, absolutely. hundreds of times, you know, because I spent uh, mm -hmm. months editing. And uh, he's always in the scene every moment. And someone said that the good actor is the when you can tell what that that person, you know, the character is thinking is thinking. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't know with with uh, Hector in this film, you know, I I always find that he's in the moment, you know, the yeah, the, mm -hmm. and with the flow of the scene, he's always there at every every second. Uh, uh, you know, I think it's a very enjoyable. You know, very unique performance. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, and it's also interesting because we spoke a little bit about it uh, uh, with H Hector. And, you know, because you never had a chance to meet him mm -hmm. in life, 
So you're basing a lot of his uh, things on stories and things that you don't mm-hmm. know firsthand. You know, it's easier to portray someone that you've known. You see their mannerisms. You, mm-hmm. you've wor- you know, if you spoke with them, you could see. He was a very complicated man, my grandfather. He was very private in, in a lot of his thoughts mm-hmm. and, and the way that he lived. And his emotions, he didn't display. He, he displayed the passion and the, you know, that, that stuff. But you caught his private time and you also felt... Uh, you saw his vulnerability, which you brought that out, and people now people will get to see that for the probably for the first time. And I really appreciate that that you took the layers of a man that was just not the icon, the singer, the superstar that he was in Latin America, but also the man and the the broken man that he was. And that's why he acted out so many ways mm-hmm. that he did: cocaine in the limousines, hookers in the trunk. I mean, you name it. They, mm-hmm. <laughs> I could tell you stories that would just make your head spin. I, 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 I know. And that's, this is the genius about the, the writing of, of Douglas as yeah. well, because you sh- you can see in each scene in a, in a very artistic way all the extremes. You know, in Virgen de Medianoche, you have all the, yeah. the prostitutes and everything. And that scene is, for me, was so beautiful. And it was based from oh. a picture of, of, of Daniel. And then you see that part of the life. But you don't have to be specific and you don't have to see Daniel in the no. movie with a lot of... No, you, you just know, have, you don't the have to cheapen it. Of right. course. And, and that vulnerability is something important because he, he was a human. He was a man. He was a guy with many layers. And, and yeah, definitely I was present in each one of the scenes. I the first thing that I did was study his mannerisms and everything in, in the interview mm-hmm. because he's, he's this guy that he wants to be, uh, you know, always uh, on top of the yeah. situation and everything. But still, people have, you know, problems or insecurities and everything. And this week or this uh, few days that the movie is, is, is about, I tried to show, show to show that. And I think the writing was perfect because yeah, it was. you don't see the, the extreme, you don't see the drugs or anything. You, you just see beautifully you know, poetic way to, to, to see to his, tell ext- to tell the story. Well, yeah. a, a very interesting too. And, you know, knowing your audience is half the battle won. And I know Latin people, they don't need all the stuff that Americans have to put in the film. They like to use their imagination. They also, one thing that I always respect and admired about um, our community in that regard was that they, they don't want to tear people down and they want to remember them as they knew them. Mm. And so even though you hinted at things, you gently portrayed it rather than what we would show is like him in bed with 10 hookers and <laughs> doing the cocaine on the nightstand and, and getting mm. drunk and beating up somebody. And, you know, so you didn't show that. But we all knew the man he was. And that's why we loved him and respected him and yeah. especially his fans. I mean, when he died, when I came to Puerto Rico, uh, when we went down the street with the funeral procession, every house, every apartment, the windows were open and his music was blaring through the streets. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was as if, you know, who knows who died, but, you know, they and they followed us all the way. And he's in buried, in, he was buried in the cemetery and on the on the point there next to yeah. his composer, El Pedro Morro. Flores. Yeah. You, you have to be invited to be buried in this uh, cemetery. It's very beautiful. It overlooks the sea. Mm-hmm. But there was this, of course, and you know how the Latins are. <laughs> they always have to have a, a flair for the dramatics. So there was one fan that she was there and she kept pushing her way to the thing. And when they're saying the last right and the coffin's being lowered into the ground, she decides to jump in <laughs> on top of it. As if, and she doesn't even, he doesn't even know her. Well, maybe he did know her. <laughs> and I just went, oh, my God. And even at the last moment, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like one, one more woman's going to go down with the ship. Cocktail break. We'll be right back. Uh, one thing I, I don't know if it's clear to your audience that he was a really big figure in Latin America. I don't know if he, we've established that. No, Americans don't get it. Uh, they don't because I try and explain it. They go, "Oh, he was just famous in Puerto Rico." That's no, not no, true. No, no, no. He was he like was famous all over Latin America. Okay, the biggest star still to this day is music. He's like a like a you know all this success that I consider. He was like a, maybe. A, a Latin American Frank Sinatra or Elvis, you know, he, he was huge. Right. The main thing that I also want to point out is that his music is still alive. You know, it's still you listen to his music and, mo- and most of it still works. You know, he, he transcended his time. You know, you, you hear some some things from the past and they just don't make it. No, and Daniel, uh... He just—he was not just like a composer of uh, hundreds of songs, uh, uh, but he had 
it's like a painting that you, when you have a story, he, 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 he's saying about nation, the nationalism in Puerto Rico. So he was a political oh, part. He had a political fighter, part. Much. Yeah. He was part of the Cuban revolution as yep. well with a, a song that, that, that made him famous in, in that particular period of story in Cuba. So each country have his music, but it's, it's not just music and it's not just a voice. It's like a, more than that. It's like yeah. a, a life. He was in prison. He was... So many things to know about Daniel Santos, and, and it's so good that people can know a hint of his story in this movie because I think it's, a, it's, it's somebody who needs more attention. Yeah, well, uh, you know, the definitely. interesting thing, and you brought that up, which is important because what endeared him to the people, because they considered him to be the singer for the people, his voice represented the people mm-hmm. always. I mean, with, with his uh, political political views and the way he fought for that yeah i think what well, yeah that's important uh, that he was a, you know he was a working class hero he always stayed close to his roots you know he knew where he came from always. and he never he was always that he was never ashamed or and he uh, he really enjoyed being with the people i mean part of his party was just you know hanging out with uh, just Them. regular people to sabe and have and enjoying yep. himself and just uh being gregarious, you know, it, uh, so... Uh. Yep. Yeah, after the movie, I went and read up on him, and there was a great story about him. He'd gone to prison for a bar fight or something, and he decided to stay in prison, even though they oh, were yeah. releasing him over the Christmas holiday, to stay with the guys that he'd met there to sort of make their Christmas a little better. Yeah. And he donated so much of his money to all of those causes and to the people of his country. I mean, <sighs> without without anybody knowing it, how he would take care of people that he really didn't even know. And then he had to make that big turn on Castro because he supported Castro coming into power. And then when he real, when he got into power and realized it's not the guy he thought he was, oh, yeah. he then had to backpedal and say, but I, you said you weren't going to be a communist government. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, he, f- he backpedaled on that. Castro saying, fooled uh, a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> so another thing is, you know, he had two nicknames, you know, one was El Jefe, the boss, El jefe. And the other yeah. one is uh, El Inquieto Anacobero, you know, the restless Anacobero, because he was really, you know, like we've t- said, you know, he, he, went, he was all over the place. Anacobero is a word yeah. from, <laughs> from African Nyanji or from an African dialect in Cuba, which means little devil, Anacobero. Oh, yeah. Uh, so okay. he, so he was the restless. That, Anacobero. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, the, he, he was called that uh, from, you know, everywhere. Uh, so and El Jefe is the boss? Yeah, the, the El boss. Jefe, the, the boss. boss yeah. okay. I mean, there's other bosses, but yeah. El Jefe, you know, in Spanish, sounds pretty, sounds pretty good. And, and Hector, what, what was it that attracted you? Because you're doing a lot of things now. You're in the new Fantasy Island Fox series that's coming up yeah, next yeah. month, I think. It comes out in August, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, Broadway's closed at the moment, but a lot of Broadway and London stuff. But what what was it that when sort of Douglas came to you and you said, oh yeah, I'll I'll go do this this film. First of all, I grew up with this music. You know, my home every Saturday, my dad is like a percussionist and he loved to put Daniel Santos, put Tito Rodriguez, uh, Hector Lavoe, all the salsa music, and just play around and everything. So I hear this, you know, in the, my subconscious, I have the voice of Daniel Santos Linda. singing Linda. <laughs> right. So oh, your dad said you have to do this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was like, uh, I I did this audition. I have auditions that I do with with love and passion, but this one it was really special because it touched my 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 heart with because of my family my grandfather and everything and because of i know that when i started to 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 study his life i didn't know a lot of stuff so uh i i was really impressed of of his life and and it was a privilege to be part of this of this film you know you portrayed emilio estefan on broadway didn't you yeah and get on your get on your feet yeah on your feet yeah what was that like so it's interesting that you portrayed these strong yeah iconic figures and how no, did you enjoy that it was wonderful but the the difference between daniel santos is that i don't have daniel to to, to i know to talk so right. with emilio if i have any any doubt or something i just or called him can, yeah. and uh, and i just make the scenes doing what okay what what do you want me to put in this scene and and he just 
speak to me and everything. So every time I have access to a guy that is still alive and is sharp and everything, yeah. But then I don't have Dani uh, Daniel Santos in my life. So well, you would think you did because you you got him and you got your. Uh, this is from the horse's mouth. <laughs> no, man, really? I, that's you know that's the best compliment that everyone. <laughs> really, get, both of you. Thank you so much. Because for I was thinking about back. the first of all is about the fans and about the family. You know, because I, I, I somebody that I, I really admire and respect. So. Well, you know, there's a lot of family, and, I, and the, you know, let me tell you something about social media, <laughs> and me being from, I'm his first grandchild, grandson. You know, because my grandmother was his first uh, wife. I meet more relatives that I never knew existed. <laughs> I'm Daniel Santos' daughter. I'm Grand Daniel Santos' granddaughter. I'm Daniel Santos. I'm like, huh? Yeah. Who, who are you? Where are you? I mean, I must have added at least 20 people that I'm related to that were part of my grandfather's off or of my grandfather's offspring. I'm like, wow, he was busy. Do you yeah. know? Well, he had 12 wives. Do you know how many children That's he claims to have? That's 12 that we know have? of. Right. But do you know how many kids out of those 12 wives? Oh, I don't know. 294. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> I mean, Excuse I don't know. Me. All I know is wherever those residuals are going, God bless them because I ain't getting any of them. <laughs> So funny, and how how he was in the in family, you know, because if we see some Daniel Santos in the TV and everything in his music, but he was the same authentic guy. Yeah, or, he was very um, or this quiet guy, or he was no, a, not quiet. He was a very big presence, you know, and he he had a such a, a powerful speaking voice too, uh -huh. and he was um, loud, you know, boisterous, you know, and but he would he would embrace everybody. Just his energy alone would would gather everyone. You know, so when he showed up, it was always a party. And that was what I remember the most. It was always a party. It was always music. It was always food. It was always drinks, you know. And uh, it was just that thing. You know, he played the bongos. And it, it was just that thing. And he would just break into song for, no, you know, for no reason. And, you know, and oh, then he would reconnect memory. with my grandmother. And then I, I remember a few times she'd say, get your hand out of my ass, you know. <laughs> he would try and pinch her or whatever she's like. <laughs> You know, but uh, he never changed. You know, my dad loved him. I mean, he, my, you know, he cracked my father up and he was very proud. You know, my father became an actor and like around 30 years old, whatever, and, and had a quite a great career. And, and my grandfather was very, very proud. Of yeah, him. he was. You know, he was very proud of my dad and, and his accomplishments and, and back at him, you know. So my, my also your dad was the actor that he referred to in the other yeah. interviews and everything. Joe Look Santos. At, yeah, my yeah, dad did almost 100 films. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw the interview and he was really proud. Daniel talking yeah. about his son and everything. And then I, I searched your dad and and so yeah. So, so and so they nice. loved each other. They had a great relationship. You know, it was a fondness that they had, and it was a uh, like a really close friendship. You know, because I mean, there there was no. My father really never had a father. You know, because um, when my grandmother was giving birth to my father, her first husband was a mobster, and he was murdered the day my grandmother was in labor. And then she went away. She took my father away to Italy for three years, and then came back. and And then she got in business with with the mafia for a bunch of years. And that's mm -hmm. when she started her nightclubs and all oh, that okay. stuff. And then Daniel adopted my father at a young age. Well, Daniel was so, really uh, proud of that. Was the uh, he was really proud of your father because uh, you know he mentions yeah a couple places you know. I'm curious, Hector, because now you, I mean, obviously Broadway has been closed because of the pandemic and you've been doing television, but w do you have a preference? My sense is that you like the Broadway. I, but... uh, I, I, I think it's so hard to, to say, but the, the good thing about Broadway is that you can have a, a character and you have a live audience. So everything is, every day you have like in, in, your, in your soul, your, this power thing that is just uh, the present moment to act something and you can, you know, you have to be really on point on everything. And you have the reaction, every day is different. You have mm -hmm. the time to enjoy the, 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 the character because I, have, I was doing Emilio for one year and even in the 500 show, I still find some cool things that make people laugh or some silences. And so you're always discovering, but I really, really enjoy the film. Yeah. Why? Because I, I like to paint. I'm I'm one of the things that I do is to, is, is paint is painting. I and followed I, your work. Oh, My thank you. My partner is a muralist and artist. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you create. Thank yeah. you very much. So 
as and I see the film as a painting. You see the all the colors of it. You see the acting. You see the layers of the the, the emotions through the acting. But you see the colors. You see the addition of the music. You see the the uh, the the sound, the artistic, the 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 scenery, everything, the art. So and then you put like a like a brushes, mm-hmm. and then yeah. you create this big piece of art, moving art with sound and everything and emotions. And I just enjoy that process. Right. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's really beautiful. So I, if you ask me, I, I prefer to do film and TV. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but still, uh, you know, musicals and uh, Broadway and theater have that magic that yeah. I always love. Yeah, my dad would say the same. He said he loved the theater. He loved, you know, the, the making of a movie or a television show or those things. But he said what he loved about uh, being on stage was that he felt in control. Mm-hmm. So he could he could actually control rather than being in front of a camera. Okay, cut, you know, the, the, the technical stuff. In that, it, it was different every time, uh-huh. you know, because the audience fed you different things and, and that energy that came to you, you had that, and you have that choice that you could make at that moment that nobody could take away from you. Exactly. You have to be the control. You have to have, yeah. have control. You have a, somebody in the audience that had a heart attack. And then yeah. you, you still have to do the, the show as well. I had, that happened to us in, in, on Broadway. <laughs> so, and then you see the red light in, this, in the middle of the spot that it, something is wrong. So yeah. we have to uh, finish that scene and wait. And then what happened? What happened? Oh, some guy, you know, fell from the balcony, for, for example. <laughs> and uh, so, but you have to, yeah, and that happened. I, I'm not playing. That happened to us in, in one of the Broadway shows. So do you have that moment. Of, but, but then the thing is that you have that work, but, but it's not uh, like uh, perpetual, you know. Yeah. You have a movie right now that it will, you know, I will be dead and, and my grandson will see, my granddaughter will see the work that was in the movie. For In theater, that doesn't happen. Right. You have right. that moment and then... Yeah, it's gone. It's it is gone. It is gone. So this is a really good document that I lo- always love to... Yeah. And the other thing I saw in your resume, and it's not a show I'm familiar with, but it has a massive audience. What was this TV event with Jennifer Lopez? Oh yes, so that was a a really the, the the intent to do a documentary document for a show on, on Las Vegas for a six month or one year probably it it ends just to like a, to be a big real really huge concert and and it was they were searching for talents around the Latin America singers p- play people who play percussionists uh, dancers and everything so they reunite the, the the best from each country and create one show named Que Viva with Emilio with uh, Glo- uh, um, I'm, I'm messing Jennifer. with Jennifer Lopez and Mark Anthony uh, it was directed by Jamie King the Michael Jackson uh, you know uh, uh, guy yeah so it was really powerful it was like uh, you know seeing that audience from 10,000 people with a lot of flags from different part of the countries and uh, and perform so why was the connection as a singer of, of, of each uh, moment you, they start with a capoeira from Brazil then Jennifer Lopez starts singing something then you have a tango and then I was singing like a tango and then it convert to a urban music with uh, people who created an instrument with uh, turtles and in Peru <laughs> and so it was really really fun show to watch and 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 really uh cultural uh show to to perform in, oh, in Las Vegas. Yeah, it says it had yeah. an audience of 30 million that's huge yeah that's huge yeah because wow. they, they did it like a reality from the selection of this part so uh-huh. that part it was it went to to, to a lot of Univision and and Fox, and Fox I think and everything and then we have the, the show on live on the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas wow that's cool. wow and yeah. what's next for you, Base, uh, in the Heights, I have in the Heights a Lin Manuel show. Oh, uh, you're in that? Yeah, in Puerto Rico. Oh, I so. haven't watched it yet. I haven't. <clears throat> yeah, so they, they will do it in a Choliseo in Puerto Rico in September, uh, and I'm 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 the the, the character that Lin Manuel performed on Broadway, but I'm doing it in in Puerto Rico. Oh, named, fantastic! Named, yeah, Coles Navi. Well, it's kind of. <coughs> Are you mean you're doing the it, musical? I'm doing the, the musical. Yeah, right. I'm doing the musical. Ah, the play. yeah, because I haven't watched the movie yet. Yeah, no, they're, they're playing Puerto Rico with a Puerto Rican um, cast. They will, will show in the in Choliseo. That is one of the main uh, venues in, in Puerto Rico. And then we will perform over there for And does shows. it coincide with the film opening? Basically, uh, it's open. on September I as mean, well. I mean, they're going to do... All right, well, keep me posted because we'll fly, we'll fly in. Oh, awesome. That yeah. will be, oh, you mean this film? Great. Sorry. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're going no, to open film, yeah. in Puerto Rico. We're opening the uh, uh, September the 2nd. But we go, we're gonna. Okay, I told great. you we, we're Labor doing Day. a film festival before in August. That will be in a fort. Yeah, keep us posted. In one of these forts, open air, and uh, you know, so so I let you 
as soon as we we, we kind of square that off, I'll, I'll let you know. So you try and make it down. It's, I'll it, be there. Thank you guys for being. I I'm really enjoyed to to have uh, to be you. here uh, in in podcast and to hear the stories of your grandfather is amazing. So well, thank, thank you for you. the for that. Well, we'll hang out. We'll definitely have dinner together. And we'll we'll play some of his Absolutely. music and have a few more stories. Absolutely, I would love to. Okay, sure. Douglas, thank you. Douglas, I'll see you. I'll see you. you in San Juan. Thank you so much. It's been a, an honor and a thank privilege, as I say. They were super great and. Um, and you know we're invited to the premiere in Puerto Rico, which would be fantastic. That would be interesting. I might, I might do that. I think you should. We'll fly to San Juan together. Yeah, that would be wonderful. And um, also, you know, the interesting thing—it'll probably coincide with Hector doing the play of the Heights. He's he is in the Heights. In the Heights, he's he is be doing, doing it that there. in San Juan. Maybe as we can well. go to that premiere too. And we'll go to that too. So there yeah, you he's go. a very accomplished guy. So uh, yeah. and a, a very good. A- actor, very singer. good actor, and yeah. he portrayed my grandfather beautifully. Honestly, yeah. kind of cute too. I mean, not that I noticed. I didn't notice. <laughs> and he's just had a baby girl. He did. Yeah, yeah. So he's sure. all happy about he's that. All happy about that. He was a really charming guy. Very. And the director was too. Very. Yeah, smart. they were both. They were both Wonderful. terrific. So I think we're, we're very good pleased. friends, actually. Yeah. So we'd like to thank you for tuning in this week, as we do every week. If you like our podcast, please share it with your friends. I've gotten a lot of notes, actually, on Facebook, and people seem to be sharing it more and more. We really appreciate that. It's very important. If you want it to keep going, you need to share it. And comment, because we love that. We love to hear what you think. Don't be shy about it. You know, hook us up. I mean, hit it, not hook us up. Hit us up. You know, we'd like to hear from you. You could hook us up, too. <laughs> Listen, don't forget to tune in each week for our Two Peas in a Podcast segment. We've been a little lax on that because we're trying to come up with some new ideas. It's a fun segment, and um, we go live on Instagram and Facebook, and I attempt to teach Alan my easy recipe for the week. I'm an easy teach. And this week, we're actually going to do something which is quite interesting, too. It's going to do a medianoche, which is the uh, uh, name for a Cuban sandwich, which I'll teach you how to Oh, make. that'll be good. Yeah. Okay. So that'll be kind of fun. And just to remind you, you can find us by sending an email to contact at twoguysfromhollywood.com or twoguysfromhollywood.com, twoguysfromhollywood on all the social medias. We're just two guys in Hollywood. You'll find us. That's it. We'll be here waiting. We'll talk at you soon. Two Guys from Hollywood is hosted, created, and produced by Alan Nevins and Joey Santos. Produced by Lauren Boone. Edited by Marissa Ewing. Music by Luca. Executive produced by Dan Patrick. It is also executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Pinella for Workhouse Media. This podcast is a production of Renaissance Literary and Talent and Dan Patrick Productions in association with Workhouse Media. Two Guys from Hollywood is a production of iHeartRadio and the Dan Patrick Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.